1: I'm going to read a scripture, amen, amen, and I'm going to put my pink Bible right there for you all. Um, This is the New Living Translation in Isaiah 2.2. It says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. Here we are. So we're in this uh, series, like Pastor John said, called That'll Preach, and in my very girly pink satin, not pajama, pajama top, I am going to preach on a very manly sci-fi movie (laughs) to help all you men. (laughs) So, uh, but who here has seen the movie Dune, the new one, the new one, okay? More than 8.30. 8.30 was like crickets, and I'm like, okay, (laughs) lame movie watcher people, (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to explain Dune for all of you that have not watched it so that we don't watch this clip and you're like, that was powerful, but what's happening? So Dune is set in a distant future amidst an interstellar society in which various noble houses control different planets. This movie tells the story of Paul Atreides. He's a brilliant, young, gifted man born into great destiny beyond his understanding who must travel to a dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people because his family just accepted a a mission, a calling by the emperor to steward the planet of Arrakis. And this planet is very inhospitable and the people that live there are called the Fremen and it's sparsely populated and it's a desert wasteland. And it's, it's only source of, the reason it's so valuable is it's the only planet that produces what they call spice. And spice is what allows um, ships to travel from planet to planet, it's like gas, but it also um, extends your life and enhances mental ability. So it's quite valuable. So this, this clip, though, is a clip of Paul Atreides and his father, and I want you to look because we're going to preach out of this clip.
2: I'd like to ask to join Duncan Idaho on a scout mission to Arrakis tomorrow. I've studied the Fremen language. I'd be an asset. Out of the question. They'll travel in a few weeks to Arrakis like the rest of us. I've been training my whole life. What is the point if I'm not allowed to you face know an actual why, risk? Ball. You're the future of House Atreides. And grandfather fought bulls for sport. Yes. Look where that got him. I need you by my side. When we get to Arrakis, we'll face enormous danger. What danger? Fremen? Desert? Political danger. The great houses look to us for leadership, and this threatens the emperor. By taking Arrakis from the Harkonnens and making it ours, he sets the stage for a war, which would weaken both houses. But if we hold firm and tap the true power of Arrakis, we could be stronger than ever. What does that mean? Mining spice, keeping the Fremen in their place? We'd be no better than Harkonnen. No. By making an alliance with the Fremen. That's what I've sent Duncan Idaho to arrange. Here on Caladan, we've ruled by air power and sea power. On Arrakis, we need to cultivate desert power. I want you sitting in on my council. Learn what I do. What if I'm not, Dad? I want the future of House Atreides. I told my father I didn't want this either. I wanted to be a pilot. said a great man doesn't seek to lead he's called to it and he answers and if your answer is no you'll still be the only thing i ever needed you to be, my son I found my own way to it. Maybe you'll find yours. In their memory, give
1: it a try. Wow. You're welcome for the great movie suggestion. Ephesians four one and two in the New Living Translation it says therefore I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord I beg you lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God you see we we see an interaction of Paul and his father and he's saying well well what if what if this isn't for me like what if I'm not what if I don't want to be great what if I don't want to step into leadership what I what if I don't want to accept the calling that you have so graciously exemplified before me. And his father just says, then, then, then you are enough. You're my son. And you see his relief. You see his, his like, you love me for who I am. And I, I feel like that is how God is with you and I. that That he loves, you're enough. You're enough being his son. But on the other side of that coin is, but yet I've called you to be great. I've called you to reach a city. I've called you to go out into the world and make disciples. I've called you to be a pillar for your family. I've called you to overcome generational curses and change mindsets. I've called you to be an overcomer. And you see, I love it because he says, great men don't always seek leadership, but yet leadership finds them. You see, in this movie, The Atreides Family, you you, you might—you can tell by the way the father is that he's a respected man. You can tell that he is a man of wisdom. He's fought battles. He's learned hard things. He understands politics. He understands how th- things work. And um, you can tell in that scene, but you learn in the movie that he's well respected by other noble houses. Like the Atreides family is a family of character. They have a reputation that precedes them. And um, you see, if, if you want to step into greatness, what you have to realize is that greatness isn't just decided. Right. Yeah. That greatness is a decision that you have to make, but it's, it's, little decisions every day that, find, that help you get there. And um, my decisions today determine my life tomorrow. You know, when Sterling and I um, got married, we had the most miracle, beautiful, greatest wedding ever, um, which I'll talk more about in a minute. But we went on our honeymoon and we got back. And if you've ever gotten married, it's like the feeling where you're like, I'm just so overspending money. Yeah. like. I don't want to buy anything else. I don't want to rent any more vendors, and I'm never flying ever again. <laughs> um, and and we had miracle after miracle of people that blessed us. Of we worked hard to be able to put this wedding together. My my parents and his parents really blessed us. But we found ourselves and we went to a vision builders dinner, and it was like a week after our honeymoon. And vision builders here at Awaken Church is what we, it, it's what we call like our outreach, our missions. It's how we buy buildings. It's how we reach high schools, reach colleges. It's how we um, sponsor so many amazing uh, nonprofits like Turning Point and the Baja Missions. Like that is vision builders. And so, and in, in every time that we um, buy a building, I'm always like, I was a part of that. I remember sitting in the El Cajon building this, this spring going, I, I, I was a part of making this happen. And every person that encounters Jesus in this region, I was a part of that. Like my thumbprint is there. I partnered with God to change this region. And so we had sowed a big offering and we found ourselves and and, and we weren't just being unwise or just like it'll all work out. Like we really had a number and we sowed seed because when you sow, you reap. And so we knew if we could get seed in the ground, we were setting ourselves up to win. But we found ourselves with $127 for eight days. (laughs) Not fun. (laughs) Um, but, But we had great attitudes. We knew why we were where we were. Sterling had left you know, a career, and, you know, no man at 28 is trying to start over, but here Sterling was, in a way, starting over, and um, and we had to steward and make wise decisions, and we had to um, manage that season well, and, and we knew that if we would steward little, God would give us much, and if we could handle little, we could handle much, and so we did that, and I even remember Christmas, um, we were so wise with our money that we kind of had had a conversation like do we want to do the whole Christmas tree the whole thing or do we want to do presents because you know when it's your first year of marriage it's like your first everything right it's like it's like a kid's losing their first tooth but it's like your first Christmas your first all this stuff right and so I was like no I'd rather get people gifts than like buy the $200 $300 Costco tree and all the ornaments and all the stockings and all the stuff and so we went without decorating our apartment I remember I went to um, like TJ Maxx and got a pine scented candle. And I'm like, it's Christmas, baby. <laughs> but I tell that story because I, I wasn't like, woe is me. And I wasn't planning to stay there. But I knew that this was a season where I was going to be wise. I was going to steward what God had given me. And I was going to watch God expand it expand my life. And and so I remember even Sterling went and kidnapped the RC's car because we only had small cars. And he went to Costco and I came home and he had surprised me. He had um, by himself gotten a giant tree and brought it home. But he even went and Ubered so he could buy this tree and um, like his side gig. <laughs> and um, I came home to a tree in my in my living room, my apartment, 800 square foot living room. And I was like, it's Christmas. <laughs> and it was the best day ever. And we, we didn't even have ornaments, like, but it was a tree. And I, that's what I cared about. and And it was the best. And, and, and I, I wouldn't like wish that on anyone of course everyone wants to have a big amazing bougie beautiful christmas like every kid wants to open all the gifts right but i wouldn't trade it because i'm like look me and you babe we can do this like with jesus and so fast forward three years later we just purchased our first house i know i know and the reason we purchased the house wasn't because we woke up one day and hired John Mack. Like, we, 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 decided, we decided long before, three years ago, when we had $127, hey, the vision is to buy a house. And so we started planning. We started preparing. We wrote it on our vision card every January twice. We wrote it twice. We're going to buy a house. And we started, we insured our finances in order. And, and for those of you that ever bought a house, like, very few people actually know you, you don't know what you're doing. I mean, unless you've taken a buying house class or something that I don't know about. I was like, well, what do I do, you know? So I started asking all the people that have bought houses, hey, what do I do, what do I need? How, how do I think differently? Like even Dr. Matt, he's like, stop saying you can't afford stuff. And I was like, okay. And he goes, say, st- I am choosing not to invest my money like that right now. He's like, I hate that you say that. It's such, it's such a Hubbard thing. But, so I had people that were teaching me what to do, decisions to make. And not only was I hearing, I was applying what they had told me. I was applying what the Word of God said. You see, Paul in this movie, just because he was in a respected family... He still had to step into that. He still had to train. And you could see, he's like, Dad, I've been training my whole life. Just because people who have gone before you have excelled, just because Pastor Jurgen and Leanne are awesome, doesn't mean that I don't have to have my own level of responsibility, ownership, stewardship training. And, and there's, a, there's a quote, and, it, and, it's, and I think this was a, a mentality. I'm going to read the scripture actually first before I tell you the quote. Uh, Proverbs twenty four thirty three and thirty four. It says, "A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, so shall your poverty come like a prowler, and your need need be like an armed man." Yeah. You know, I used to think, like, "Oh, because I'm a Christian, it's just going to work out." And I think it's a it's a mentality I've seen in in young people, and I I see it because it was in me, and it was like, "Oh, I have favor, favor the Lord." Like, it's going to be great. Went to prayer meeting and do all that. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And there's a quote, and it says that, that God, is, God is in control, but he doesn't expect you to lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. <laughs> you see, your reputation is earned in drops and lost in buckets. The same way, way, way with your reputation, and so is faithfulness. And we didn't buy a house, even though, John Mack, you are amazing. We had planned. We had prepared. We had done all the things. And then we bought a house. And we married faith and wisdom. And there were some times where we had to decide, like, hey, we're not going to invest our money this way because we're going to invest it this way. And I think something we have to realize is that the decisions that we make today determine my life tomorrow. I remember meeting Sterling and when we first started dating, um, you know, Sterling, obviously no one is perfect, but when I met him, he had worked really hard to become a man of integrity. He had worked really hard to not have this wake of broken-hearted people, women that were pissed off because he had, had all these dysfunctional relationships. No, he had, he had gotten right. He had let men speak into his life. And so the decisions you make in relationships today affect your marriage tomorrow. How you build your business, do you build it with integrity? Do you do things in the right place? Or do you cut corners? Because you can build your life on, or your, house, your business on sand, or you can build it on the rock. You can do things right. You might not be fast, but you're going to do it right. And, and right always outlives fast. And there's something that I've always given me relief is that my hard work might get me there, but my character will keep me there. And if you want to be great, if you want to step into the calling of God, like your character is is the thing. And how you manage the small things, when no one's looking, when no one can see, when no one knows your name, is going to determine when you're on a platform, when, when everyone has access to your life. And um, so my question would be, is, is what, what are you known for? What would people say is your staple? Because the title of my message is The House That Built Me. You see, this is the house of transformation. I came when I was 16 years old, and I loved God. I, I've always loved God. I, I told a story in the 830 of when I was a kid, I would— um, I was in the backyard doing what kids do. You play imaginary. Is that what you call it? You like play imaginary. I'm a pirate today and you know, whatever tomorrow. And I'm like in my head a million miles away, but I'm really, I'm in my backyard. And I remember I stopped and I believe that God has allowed me to remember this, make this a core memory of my childhood. But I remember all of a sudden I stopped and I started having a conversation with the devil and I was basically trying to convince him like, it's okay, just come be a Christian. (laughs) But my conversation, I was like, look, your life already sucks. You're already gonna lose. Like, Jesus is the savior of the world. Um, So it's not too late. And I was like evangelizing in my mind. I was solving, I was like streamlining the process of God's plan. And I was like, "No, no, no, this is perfect. You and all your crew can just come on over, surrender your life to Jesus and it's over. And your life's awesome. But I say that because I know you laugh. I know everyone's like fanning. Good job. It's hot up here too. But um, I say that because I've always loved God. But it wasn't until I was 16 on Catalina Island when Pastor Jürgen Metesius came and he preached and he did the whole Lion King in First Nation. Yes. yes. And at the end, he opened up what's called the altar. And I remember I ran forward. And it was my first encounter with the Holy Spirit that I remember. And I remember feeling, experiencing God in a whole new way. And my whole life, he was like, you know, a triangle on a felt board. But I was encountering the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when we bought this fixer-upper, because that was our strategy. We wanted to buy a fixer-upper. And when I say fixer-upper, I mean it's like a salmon pink tan skin color on the outside. And it's dirt and gophers. And Sterling is the, the constant mission and the pile party house is to kill the gophers. <laughs> so sometimes I will come home and there's like a screen popped out of our front window because he's got a pellet gun hanging out and he's waiting. <laughs> and I'm sorry for all you vegan people. but go, You're never like gophers, like what, I don't, Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. Sorry if I offended you. And so what we decided when we bought our house that we wouldn't wait for it to be perfect to have people in it. And so we're kicking down awkward pony walls and painting the inside of our house that hasn't been painted in 15 years. And there's dirt out front still. And this house is still currently salmon pink. But so many people, they wait until they're perfect to invite people into the mess. And so you see, if you want to be great, you have to invite people into the mess. You have to allow people behind the curtain of your life to say, hey, this is everything I've got going on. Help me. And I find that my inability to let people into my life, what I'm really going through, determines my ability to grow and change. Change equals growth growth equals pain. And sometimes people aren't willing to go through the pain of what it causes to change the way they think, to stop, to break that addiction, to, to live a different way, to get in a different pay bracket, to, to expand, to grow, to become everything that God has called you to be, to not only be who you intended to be, but also to reach people. And you have to invite people into the mess. And I would say that I am who I am today because of the people that I've invited into the mess. And when Sterling and I got married, it was a crowd like this full of people that have watched Sterling and I walk through life. They'd seen me come at 16, get my driver's license. They'd seen me date the boy and break up. They'd seen me have a job change. They'd seen me win at work. They'd seen me fail at work. They'd seen me go through heartbreak, get healed from trauma all the things. And I, I am so sad for people that do life alone. And often people always say, even this is the, the cry of this generation is, oh yeah, I did it all myself. Well, did you? Because I didn't buy a house because I'm awesome. I bought a house because of the countless people that have gone before me that have taught me the things I need to know, that the principles of God that I have learned in the word of God. And so my encouragement to you today is let people into your life. And and this is something I've learned, and it's not meant to be harsh, but I think it's quite truthful, is that mediocre people give mediocre advice, which gives you mediocre results. Yeah. And so you have to ask yourself, if you're living in a life going, man, this isn't where I wanted to be, I think it's a really beautiful question to say, how did I get here? And am I listening to advice that isn't someone I want to be like in 10 years. Now, I'm not saying you're just have, you're walking through a hard time. Like, use discernment, because there's going to be times in life where it's hard. There's going to be times in life where you're going to have to stick it and, and walk through the valley. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about who, who is your inner circle? Do you have people that really know you? when you're waking up with nightmares, when you're worried about your kids, when your marriage is falling apart. Like, who are you calling? Who do you go to? Who do you have those people? Because I remember in my life, Pastor Brianna, my pastor, my youth pastor, her husband married Sterling and I, like, I'm telling you people, like everyone is fully in our life. She she told me one time, she said, you know, Marissa, people really love you, but they don't really know you. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I love people. And she goes, I know you love people, but people don't really know you. And she goes, you have to let people in. And, and what I found myself is I found myself so afraid of rejection that I had, wouldn't let people in. And so I found myself quite lonely and constantly misunderstood because no one really knew who I was and constantly fresh, frustrated. And because no one understood me, I constantly felt misunderstood. And I was trying to avoid rejection and I was continually being rejected. And I ended up on this cycle where then I was here in a room full of people going, nobody knows me, but this is awesome and you have to let people into the mess. Don't wait until your fixer-upper house is completely perfect to have people over. Like, we had people over in our house, and we popped champagne, and we had a couch in the living room. And so we all just awkwardly stood there and drank our champagne, and I remember with the Max, we even went in the backyard, and it was like the worst mosquito day ever, for whatever reason, and it hasn't been like that since. And we were like, we can't, we have to go inside. Pastor Colin talked about it last week, but he says your, uh, your AQ versus your IQ, your adversity quotient versus your intelligence quotient, that every CEO will hire somebody who can handle adversity over handling your intelligence every day. And, you know, there's going to be times where your ability to invite people through the mess is going to carry you through adversity. And the Bible says that Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And it's referring to God. But I sure would like somebody up on the hill watching me walk through that valley cheering me on. And I'm always sad when I see people that are walking through hard things and they have no one to call. And it's not a victim. It's not like, oh, the Bible says, if you want friends, be friendly. And so I would just encourage you, like, that's why we do connect groups. That's why this can't just be a thing on a Sunday you come to for 90 minutes and leave. It's meant to be a community where you find family, where you find people that are cheering you on. And the reason that our wedding was so powerful, not only were Sterling's vows freaking epic, but it, it was powerful because it was all these people that have watched us walk through valleys and on highs and on lows and it, and it was a party. It was a celebration of two people coming together. And I love the, the scene because I don't know if you caught it, but Paul's father is standing at the grave of his dad. And he's reminiscing. He's thinking about what his father has done. And they're standing in a grave. And you can even see at the end, because he says, you know, he's saying, what if it's not for me? And at the end, he says, in their memory, points to all the graves. He goes, give it a try. Give it a try. You see, everyone inherits a legacy and establishes a new one. Every person, no matter how awesome, you inherit good and bad things. And every person, no matter how good or bad, how awesome or not awesome, you pass down good and bad things. As much as awesome we think we are, there's still going to be things that our kids are going to have to overcome. And I remember a few, few weeks ago, I called my Graham and she is my dad's mom and she lives in LA and she lives in a retirement home. And for some of you, that's like sad, but she lives her best life. She is super social. And there'll be times where I will call her and she will be like, oh, sorry, with her flip phone. She'll be like, so sorry, hold on. And she'll like get it in with her hearing aid. And then she'll go, I'm in the middle of a bingo tournament. I'm gonna have to call you back. But she's serious or she's like, oh, I have breakfast in 10 minutes, I gotta go. Like she has a schedule, like Tuesdays she does bingo, Wednesdays she does tea, Thursdays she hangs out with these friends in her retirement home. Like she's like living her best retired life. But she started telling me, she goes, yeah, there's a bunch of grumpy people here. Like for some reason, her words, not mine. She goes, for some reason when you, when you get old, like people get grumpy. And she's like, people, people always ask me why I'm so happy. And, and she goes, you know why I'm happy? Like, you know. like she's And she's not preaching at me. She's just having a conversation. This is who she is. And she, she says, the reason I'm happy is I wake up every morning, and I thank God for my life. I listen to what he has to tell me, and then I go read my Bible. And I said, Graham, I don't think— Grumpy people are old. I think there's grumpy people everywhere. And something I've learned is that to be great, to step into your calling, the things that we have to master are typically the simple things. But they're not the easy things always. The Bible says, Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God and Him I will trust. Psalms 491 it says his faithful promises are your armor and protection. Matthew 11:28 and 29 then Jesus said come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and I will find the re- and you will find rest in your souls. You see so many people we come to church because western Christianity we has taught us that like Sunday's church Sunday's church Sunday's church. And I think we've lost that when we walk through these double doors into this room, that we're here to meet Jesus. And when was the last time that you came into this place saying, Jesus, I'm so excited to encounter you? Because I I think my secret weapon, something that I've learned in order to be great, is in my secret place. My relationship with God. My ability to say, search me, oh God, search my heart. And heal every wicked, distorted thing in me. And you see, growth is pain. So sometimes it's painful to pull the roots out of the garden of my heart. But my ability to come into this place and say, God, here I am, is gonna determine where my life will go. You see, this is the house of transformation. It's, it's, it's not meant to be behavior modification or stop doing that and doing this. And look, we are, Pastor Leanne will say, we are fun and holy. Okay, so without, if you're just fun and no holy, she says, you live under your calling. Wow. Yeah, wow. So we all about holy and fun, but when was the last time that you threw away every religious preconceived notion in your mind and just came to encounter Jesus? And so I want you to stand to your feet, because I'm going to pray You see, this is the house that has built me. I wish you could see the 16-year-old version of me. And some of you have, but God has transformed me from the inside out because I've followed God with my whole heart. I've applied the principles of of, of His word to my life. I've listened to wise counsel. I've honored people that have gone before me and watch what God will do. I came in so broken. I didn't even know I was broken. That's how broken I was. And I didn't have like a crazy child or anything. I was just a normal person. And like normal people, I would have different things that would happen to me. And I love Pastor Mike Connell, cause he says, he says, it's not about the like bigness of what happens. It's about how that thing affects you and how it imprints on your life. And then are you able to say, God, heal my life? Because people always say time heals all, but time doesn't heal all. Jesus heals all. And Jesus isn't going to hide what you're healing. And so until you can say, here, Jesus, heal this, he's a gentleman. He's not going to like force his way, pull back the curtain. I see it. He already sees it. But until I say, here, Heal me, Jesus, transform me from the inside out. He will. And so we're going to have the ministry team come forward. But before we do, I just want to pray. So just lift your hands. God, I thank you that, that this is the house of transformation. God, I thank you that you love us enough just to accept us who we are. But God, will you love us so much? that your plan is not to keep us that way. And God, I thank you that we're sitting in a room of leaders. We're sitting in a room full of people that are called to greatness. God, you know the disappointment. You know the hardship. God, you know what people have walked through. God, you know the things that people went through when they were kids. But God, we stand here fully surrendered saying, Jesus, heal me from the inside out. Let this be the house that builds me, that, that we are called to greatness. And God, I thank you on the un- other side of transformation, on the other side of breakthrough, God, I thank you that, that you have a generation waiting, you have a family waiting, you've got kids waiting to, to, to receive the fruit of my breakthrough. And so God, we stand here humbly before you. And God, we throw off all religion, all tradition. And God, we just say that we're here to meet with you. God, you know every dysfunction, every worry, every fear, and you love us. It's enough. But God, search me. Search me. In Psalm 63, it says, God, you are my God, and early I will seek you. My flesh longs for you. There's something that I've learned is that spend time with God every day and every morning. And sometimes I know there's some parents in here that you need to beat your family. Beat your family up. That sounds bad. Beat your family awake in the morning and spend time with God. You get it? <laughs> Wake up first. Thank you. Sorry, live stream. Wake up first, meet with Jesus your best version your kids have is you with Jesus. You'll be a better mom, you'll be a better wife, you'll be a better business owner, you'll be a better son. Meet with Jesus. If you're in here and you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart, I just, I wanna pray for you. Uh, And so if that's you with everybody's eyes closed, and you're sitting in here, if you've never accepted Jesus, or maybe you're like me and you've grown up in church, you had a great family, but, but you need to rededicate your life to God, your devotion, your relationship. Maybe for some of you, it, it, it's you've been so offended at things in the church that it's caused a, a block in your relationship with God. Let it go. So if that's you and you're saying, Marissa, I would love to meet with Jesus again, I just want you to raise your hand in this place on the count of three. One, two, three. all over this place. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful. So what we're going to do if you rose your hand, we're going to pray and everyone in the room is going to repeat, but especially if you rose your hand, I just want you to repeat this prayer. And as a family, we're all going to pray. But say, dear Jesus, I accept you into my heart this morning. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. I receive your healing. You are my father. You are my savior. And I am your kid. Heal me from the inside out. Renew my mind. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.